0: Welcome to Working for Women, the Independent Women's Forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better.
1: Hello, my name is Patrice Enruca, and I'm a senior policy analyst at the Independent Women's Forum. Glad you're listening today. Now, according to a recent New York Times article, the number one aim of Democratic campaign ads this this year is going to be protect pre-existing conditions. Well, that assumes pre-existing conditions are, are, are or ever were in peril. We can expect a lot of misinformation about this topic. So I'm glad we have here today to explain the situation with pre-existing conditions our own IWF Policy Director, Hadley Heath-Manning. Hadley is an expert in healthcare policy and has written extensively on this issue. Hadley, welcome back to the program.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Patrice. I'm glad we're talking about this.
1: Awesome. So let's, let's just dive right in. I think first we need to understand what pre-existing conditions are. So can you define for us what pre-existing, pre-existing conditions are? You know, what's included on this list? I've heard everything from babies to pregnancy, but please explain to us.
0: Right. Yeah, it is uh, such a buzzword, right? In healthcare policy, you can hardly get two sentences out before someone wants to ask your position on preexisting conditions. And I'm sure that's the position that most of our lawmakers find themselves in today. Um, And that's largely because of the way that the Affordable Care Act changed the rules um, when it comes to insurance and how insurance companies um, accept or deny applications for coverage. And, um, the The question, what is a preexisting condition, is such an important one because I think it's one of the biggest misperceptions out there when it comes to healthcare. A lot of people have health conditions, uh, whether it's acne or diabetes or high blood pressure, or you mentioned pregnancy. Um, You know. even those things, uh, if you have them, you might be thinking, I have a pre-existing condition. Well, that's only true in the insurance sense of the term. If you are seeking new insurance coverage, if you are currently uninsured um, and you're seeking new insurance coverage, then it's it's actually exactly what the word says. The condition pre-existed, the insurance coverage. If that's not your situation, then your condition isn't really relevant. It wouldn't really be considered a pre-existing condition. It's just a health condition that you have, and that uh, you know, hopefully, you're living with insurance coverage for. Um, and this is why it's important. So many people who have health conditions uh, change insurance policies, and uh, if you do this within different employer-sponsored plans or large group insurance plans, uh, well, then you're not medically underwritten. You don't have to go through that process of you know, getting a doctor's visit or checking the boxes on a form about what conditions you have because you're protected by a 1996 law, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act or HIPAA. And that law preceded the Affordable Care Act. Now, what the Affordable Care Act changed was it said, even if you are uninsured, if you have true pre-existing conditions, conditions that you live with before you seek insurance coverage for them, Um, then insurance companies cannot deny you and cannot exclude coverage for that condition when they offer you coverage. And furthermore, the ACA says, if you're an insurance carrier, you have to offer coverage to people at the same price, regardless of their health status. Um, And we can talk a little bit more about what that means, but that was a a seismic shift in insurance regulation.
1: Well, so I think you did a great job of kind of laying out a little bit of the pre-ACA or pre-Affordable Care Act situation situation. I mean, how many people really were were, were covered under, but prior to the, the Affordable Care Act and the changes that it brought about, how many people actually face barriers to getting coverage?
0: Well, that's the key question, Patrice, because it's, it really doesn't matter how many people live with health conditions. I mean, you can pick any one of those that I mentioned, and there are millions of people, I'm sure, who face some kind of uh, health condition. But Specifically, the Affordable Care Act changed the rules that impacted a surprisingly small number of people because even before the Affordable Care Act, as I mentioned, employer-based plans couldn't deny coverage to anyone, couldn't exclude those pre-existing conditions, Um, and most people with private insurance in the United States had employer-based coverage. And people on Medicare and people on Medicaid, those are huge um, uh, insurers in the United States. Those people did not and do not face any barriers to coverage due to any health conditions. Um, Before the ACA... Uh, even even so, without any Obamacare rules, many states actually had rules similar to the ACA. I think six or seven states required coverage exactly like the uh, Affordable Care Act coverage. And so when you subtract all those people and employer coverage and Medicare, Medicaid and states with uh, a variety of. Of rules and in those, uh, what we call high risk pools or um, safety net programs that some states operated, some 35 states op- operated high risk pools, then there were really only about half a million people left. Um, after you take away all those other protections that were in place. Um, so that's half a million people. Wow. And of course, you know, the, we don't want any one person to be in a situation where they can't be financially responsible for their, their health care they can't access health care mm-hmm. to an insurance problem. But that's a relatively small group of people compared to, you know, some of the other estimates that we heard. I think the Obama administration said 129 million people have pre-existing <laughs> conditions, oh, wow. but really only about half a million are affected by these rules.
1: I, I want to just underscore what you just said. When we think about the, the market for of people with preexisting conditions or really health care coverage in this country, most people get it from their private insurers, private uh, employers or they're getting it from government programs like Medicare and Medicaid. And you talked about uh, high risk pools as well. So so this idea that most people were uninsured or weren't getting insurance is really one of those um, myths that were out there that existed before um, and before the Affordable Care Act. Um, So let's shift a little bit just to talk about um, life as the Affordable Care Act is starting to be repealed. I think it's a good thing that it's being repealed. Um, You know, explain to us why that is a good thing and what's happening to those people with pre-existing conditions.
0: Well, I think there's a lot of fear mongering on this particular point, right? There was a big effort, a big push by uh, congressional Republicans in 2017 to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. And all of the plans that Republicans were considering would have kept in place this particular provision in the Affordable Care Act called guaranteed issue. Guaranteed issue is that role that if you're an insurance carrier, you have to issue a policy to every applicant, regardless of any preexisting conditions. Now, that was sort of a point that I think got missed a lot in the media. Um, but aside from that point, let's say that we're looking at a situation uh, right now where there's a multi-state lawsuit that's being brought against the Affordable Care Act. And this, this may not be a true repeal under place. The Supreme Court could revisit the issue of the Affordable Care Act and simply strike down part of or all of the law. And that goes back to the 2012 decision about the taxing power. I'm sure people followed through tax reform, how the individual mandate penalty got reduced to zero. So this lawsuit hinges on that point. The state said, well, hey, if this is an exercise of Congress's taxing power and yet the tax is equal to zero dollars, is that still legitimate constitutional Grounds for the individual mandate. And so we'll see this issue come back. It's the same issue essentially as in the 2012 decision, uh, Florida versus HHS. Um, But if for whatever reason the parts of the law about pre existing conditions were to go away, then it's important for people to understand that that does not automatically mean that anyone with a serious health condition is going to be thrown off their insurance plan. or that people are going to necessarily face those same barriers to accessing health coverage. For example, the 35 states that had mm-hmm. um, those safety net programs that I mentioned, they could reinstitute those safety net programs. Congress has considered uh, many times doing more to send federal funding to the states so that they could mm-hmm. beef up those programs, because a large, a, a big challenge for those programs is funding, uh, because health conditions, it turns out, are, are quite expensive. But when it, comes right, to the, yeah. when it comes to the regulations, particularly about pricing, and this is the most important point, you know, I think it's an extremely popular part of the Affordable Care Act, right? People like that their friends and neighbors who have health conditions, if for whatever reason they have a big coverage gap or they find themselves uninsured, seeking new insurance coverage, we don't like the idea of people getting turned down or people, you know, not being able to afford the health coverage that they want because of a condition. The problem with this from an insurance perspective is that, you know, let's consider an analogy. If you're trying to buy homeowner's insurance and your home has already been destroyed, well then I know as the insurance company that the risk or the likelihood of very high claims for you is certain. I know that I'll be writing big checks for you. That's the same thing that happens in in health insurance. If you're someone with a a very costly health condition and you're seeking new coverage, you have a pre-existing condition. Well, then the insurance carrier looks at you and understands that you're very expensive. Well, if they have to offer you a policy and they have to offer everyone else a policy at exactly the same price, what does that do to the cost of insurance? Well, it certainly raises the average cost of insurance, um, but it really perverts our market-based insurance system. Um, and we've seen this happen. We've seen the the cost of premium skyrocket. Um, we've seen insurance companies, mm-hmm. you know fail to prepare. For the way that the, the pool of people who are insured has shifted because if you're relatively healthy you don't like the high cost of health insurance um, that you feel like isn't paying out a lot of claims for you because You don't have a costly health condition. So you leave the market altogether, and we've seen this happen. The uninsured population under the ACA has become much healthier, not because they're working out, but just because the faces of the uninsured uh, population have changed. Um, So what do we have? We have sort of adverse selection or, or what some insurance experts call a death spiral. Many insurance companies leave the market. We have fewer choices. We have continually increasing premiums. And so, these rules that are very popular at the heart of Obamacare are really, unfortunately, uh, the biggest problem with Obamacare um, when it comes to uh, having a healthy insurance market for people of all different health statuses.
1: You know, I, I appreciate that explanation because at the at the heart of it is just understanding how the market in healthcare really works, and that when you um, really when you you bring in lots of folks who are going to have are going to be very expensive and you try to spread the cost across everybody else, well, the people who are healthier are really just going to say, you know what, this is not a a good deal for me anymore. I'm just going to pull out. And unfortunately then you've got just a a, a market of a whole lot of sick people and insurers are just going to find themselves saying, I can't afford to do this either anymore. So, that's the situation that we're facing. You know, I, I think there's a lot of misinformation in the news right now about why the Affordable Care Act is failing, about why the costs are rising, why people are paying so much out of pocket or so much every month in premiums. And I think you did a really good job of explaining what goes to the heart of this. Um, Really, as we start to wrap up this conversation, you know, number one, where do you see that things going? And I, I think you touched on it earlier, but you know, what's really next? What's, what's likely to happen with pre existing conditions? And number two, I think everybody wants to know um, if the Affordable Care Act is repealed, will people die? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Man, I really hope not. And that's, you know, I'm glad you asked these questions because. I think, as soon as you start to criticize the Affordable Care Act's approach to pre-existing conditions, well, people want to know what are you going to do about it? You know, are you going to fix this problem? Because it is a problem when you have people who are uninsured who are seeking insurance coverage and and yet they have a condition that they can do nothing to change. You know, if you have a serious disease, of course, you want to be healthier <laughs> and 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 it's Absolutely. and it's a sad. It's a sad, um, you know, position. It's a vulnerable position for someone to find him or herself in. And nobody, I think, on either side of the political aisle wants our fellow Americans to find themselves in this position. So what do we do to fix it? And this is where I I think I hope things are going is that, you know, you mentioned that everybody kind of sort of socialize the cost of healthcare when you force everybody to pay the same price. Well, there are better ways to help people who can't afford the cost of their own care, right? That it's it's much better than forcing everybody to pay the same price. You you focus the government relief, the social assistance where it really counts. You do targeted assistance to people who do have pre-existing conditions who are what we call high-risk applicants and you know people don't like to hear that they're high-risk applicants, but if you have a costly health condition um, then in the insurance world We know there's a high risk that you'll have a high claim. And so if you go into one of these um, safety net programs that are particularly designed to lower costs for you, that's a much more efficient way uh, to help people who are truly in need um, versus what Obamacare did is simply remodel the entire insurance market for half a million people. And we're a country of 320 million people to put that in perspective. So I don't think anyone wants our fellow Americans to suffer. There's simply a better way to do it, and I hope that we move towards, you know, state-based solutions that are well-funded, mm-hmm. that are targeted at people who truly need them. And that way, I hope we avoid, you know, all the sickness and all the death that we possibly can. I'm married to a doctor. <laughs> I will say, you know, there are some things in this world like death and taxes we can never avoid, but we can certainly minimize, right? And so we want to <laughs> minimize human suffering and give people the maximum amount of choice at a, at a price that's affordable for them. And I, and I hope that that's the direction we're going.
1: I love that. Hadley, that's actually a very optimistic way for us to end. There's a way for us to be able to provide um, affordable care, that quality care for people who need it um, without breaking the bank, especially when it's going to be borne on taxpayers, but by you know, really targeting those those groups with the aid, those, those folks with the aids that they need. So Hadley, thank you so much for you know, explaining and debunking these myths. This is why you are our healthcare expert at IWF. Um, and we will un- undoubtedly be hearing more from you, especially over the next few months as we hear more about this uh, preexisting conditions and, and what it's going to mean, um, you know, going to the elections. But to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to like us and rate this podcast on iTunes so that others can discover our conversations. And while you're at it, visit IWF.org for more analysis, politics, pop culture and policy. We hope you'll tune in again. Thank you.
0: If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by iwf.org for similar content.